Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I'm your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode. The music that you're hearing, as always, is from my good friend Ryan Allward. Super grateful to have this music to use each week for this show. My guest this week is Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback and current ESPN NFL analyst. And it's a short and sweet conversation. He's super busy this spring, obviously, with a lot of the NFL offseason transactions happening and gearing up for the NFL draft coming up in April. So super grateful to get 20 or 25 minutes with him a few weeks ago on the phone. And we recorded this before a lot of the coronavirus stuff started to take off the way that it is now. And obviously, as we have seen that even a day of coronavirus news feels like a week's worth of news. So a lot has changed and transpired since we recorded this a few weeks ago. So that is why whenever we do talk about it, it may not seem as dire of a situation as we obviously know that it is today. So with that in mind, I do, before we get into this conversation, I do want to tell you guys something that my wife is doing to try and help out the people that are on the front lines of this battle with the virus and the people that are taking care of us the most, and that is the healthcare workers. As you guys know, if you've heard from my wife whenever she was on this podcast, she works for Beauty Counter, which is a natural, chemical-free beauty supplier. And what she's wanting to do is donate some products to the people that are working on the front lines, and that's our healthcare workers, to help them get through this situation. And obviously it's going to be very small, but whatever we can do to help out the people that are helping us out the most is big, any way that we can help. And so if you go to her Instagram page and I will put a link in the show description or her beauty counter page, if you purchase this handset that she is selling, which includes hand soap and hand cream, we are going to donate that to any healthcare worker that you have designated as somebody you want to donate to that's maybe that's somebody that you know maybe it's a loved one a friend anybody that you wish to help take care of that works in the healthcare field if you purchase one of these handsets we'll donate it to them you just got to tell us who you want to donate it to if you live here locally in bowling green obviously it's pretty simple we can get it to you you can give it to them but if you're somewhere else in the country all you got to do is purchase it and we can ship it directly to them. So it's hand soap, which obviously goes toward helping them keep their hands clean, but then also some hand lotion because if people are washing their hands as much as they should be, then their hands are gonna get dry. And so this is just some lotion to kind of help replenish that. So super simple and super small, obviously, but this just gives our healthcare workers some extra free supplies that they can use to help keep themselves clean. And it just, I think more than anything shows that we appreciate what they are doing. So head to her Instagram page and I'll put the links in the show notes so you can check that out. But you're helping out Emily, you're helping out the healthcare workers. And I think the more that we can do together to help fight this battle with the virus, the better off we're gonna be and the sooner that life can go back to normal for all of us. But I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Dan Orlovsky. I really had a good time talking to him and hearing him share his faith and how he's grown up as a person and as a Christian as well. So. Here it is, my short conversation with former NFL quarterback and ESPN analyst, Dan Orlovsky. Well, Dan, thanks for joining the show. I'm, ex- I'm excited to talk to you. Um, you know, you and I have been conversing a little bit, and I know that you, you're good friends with Jason Romano, who's also been a guest on this podcast. And just, I was excited to talk to you just kind of about your background in faith and kind of how that shaped your career. And, you know, I guess what did... Uh, where did that where did that background come from? Did you did you grow up in in faith, or did you come to it at a later point in your life, or just kind of walk me through that that process for you? 
Yeah, Cole, good to be with you, man. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in like a traditional church and, you know, get up on Sunday, go to church. I uh, went to a traditional like Catholic school from my childhood. I didn't really get all of it. Uh, I didn't necessarily have the actions matching the words in a lot of different examples of my life as I was a child and kind of into my teen years. So faith was just something to me as I became a teenager that um, when things went well, I didn't pay attention to it. And when things went bad, I'd be like, okay, let me pray. Um, right. And then I, it, it was never, it was always something that was more like a good luck charm than actual uh, something that was a relationship. Right. And, you know, as a teenager and, and sports became more prevalent in my life and the things that, you know, success in sports brings, I grew away from any form of even going to church. You know, I was a good person. Um, you know, I uh, I was a good, good to my friends. I held the door for people. Uh, you know, I, I bought people presents. Like, I was a good human being, I guess, if you want to qualify that. And that's what I thought it was all about. And then... You know, I went to college and kind of totally went away from faith, not for any specific reason other than I just grew away from it. And things in my life and really myself became way more important than that to me. And then um, I went, went and got drafted into the NFL. And, and within my second year, you know, I started to become somebody I never wanted to be. Yeah. I started to become a person who was so obsessed with myself and um, truthfully, like, you know, a person who was after fame and fortune and womanizing and, and I had everything. I was drafted to the NFL. I had money. I was popular, you know, girls, all that stuff. And I remember sitting there being like, wait, I worked all, I worked this hard and this is as good as it gets, you know? Yep. And, and I was just sitting there like, man, this doesn't feel like this is as good as it gets this is everything I've ever wanted. And I started to become somebody I wasn't. And, just so happened that that year, God brought John Kitna, who's an ex-NFL player and quarterback, into my life, and Mike Furry, an ex-NFL wide receiver, and Josh McCown into my life. And I watched these guys, you know, be super competitive and work crazy hard, like I did, and be super committed to football, but then also, or even more so, like never swore and build people up and loved on their wife and their kids and spent time at home and encouraged people. And, and I'd be like, wait, how can they do all that? You know, how do they do all that? And I was like, that, that looks like a life that I want my life to look like. And so I kind of went on this journey with them and through Bible study with our team chaplain, Dave Wilson. And, you know, kind of John Kitna took me back and started discipling me. And I started asking questions and it wasn't, just Christianity. I started to look into all kinds of religions. I didn't want to become a Christian because I lived in America and I was white. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wanted to look into a lot of different stuff and it kind of set me on my faith journey. And then that year, you know, I, I became saved and, and, um, it, it's kind of been my journey ever since. Wow. That's fascinating. So it's, it's, uh, it's a lot like, you know, you hear people say all the time, like, live your life for Christ and people are going to notice. And that sounds like what those guys did for you. And, and you took notice and wanted to know why, like why, you know, why do they have that kind of peace in their life? Why are they able to live like that? And I think it's fascinating. You said that you didn't want to, you didn't want to be a Christian. You're looking at other religions. Um, 
how did you ultimately decide that, you know, what the Christian faith stands for is what you also believed in? I just felt like after, you know, indisputable evidence yeah. where it was just like, I can't, um, as much as I may want to, or, 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 or there's other things or other intriguing or interesting things. It was like, how can I, I just couldn't read the Bible and read the stories of the Bible and then the evidence of the books and be like, nah, you know what? There's no shot. Right. Um, and it just, I'm a skeptic at heart and I'm a person who prove it and prove it and prove it. And so it was just hard for me to sit there and be like, wait, it was written by that many people in that many different languages and they didn't communicate yet. They all um, said the same thing. Uh, you, you know, like how, how did that happen? Right. Uh, and it was just hard for me to dispute that I felt was the overwhelming evidence of eyewitnesses. Well, that's fascinating, too, that you say you're a skeptic. And a lot of times people that say that they're skeptic, they have a hard time grappling with the idea of faith. And it sounds like you actually had, you, you kind of went the other way, where you were like, man, there's actually so much evidence here. How could I not have faith that this is true? What, what did that process look like where, it, you know, you kind of described it, but, you know, rather than going the other way where you could say, I don't know that that's true, you, you, you know, you said, actually, I've got the faith to believe that. I mean, how did, how did your... How did your faith get strengthened through that curiosity process? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, the intellectual aspect of things for sure was part of it. You know, when I sat down and actually studied instead of reading the Bible, but studied it and then had people smarter than me who had significantly more, uh, spent significant more amount of time studying it, telling me or teaching me the things of what they meant. That was part of it. And you know, part of it being an athlete was, you know, in athletics, it was always for me, A plus B equals C. Right. And that had always come true. You know, hard work and sacrifice equals success. Or, I mean, if I, if I eat well and work really hard, I, I can reshape my body and become better at my sport. And so that always made sense to me. And so I, it was kind of the same thing, like, all right, well... If this happened and this happened, well, then this should happen, and it did, and it does. And it was kind of this experience of like, all right, well, the Bible said this, and then it happened. Or Jesus said this, and then it happened. Or Paul wrote this, and it happened. And it was just all these things where it made intellectual sense to me. Right. Um, and that's kind of how my brain was wired to kind of see things and hear things. And once that started to happen, it was like this this snowball effect and, you know, this waterfall where it was like I was just it was cascaded over and it was a it was kind of a full, full goal jumping in. So then how did that what I guess what did your playing career look like after that point? You know, whereas maybe whenever you first started, you yeah. said you were kind of more about the fame and the fortune and the women. And then you have this change. I mean, how does it look like to navigate an NFL career? living in faith with jesus yeah it's it's like in, i would imagine in everybody's job a daily challenge the funny thing is when i got saved i thought i was automatically going to be really good at football um, <laughs> yeah everything would go my way and i was going to be a superstar and because i you know i had my faith in my relationship with god i remember countless times of being on the field in between plays and just praying um, and talking with God and, and um, spending time with him. 
Um, my career, you know, it, it definitely shifted the way I thought. Now, part of that was because my career literally on the field shifted. And so I had to uh, change the way I thought for the prolong the, the the ability to prolong my career that was what was demanded as the as a pro um but i i realized uh the impact within the locker room outside of football became such a big deal and i was conscious of that as much as i could help guys understand football and make an impact for them as a one of 53 teammates it was just as important, if not more so, that I could be impactful to them as a man and as a role model and somebody that had a family and that they could watch me if that was something that they were wanted to do and interested in, just um, an encourager and a, 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 someone that kept our team together during difficult times. You know, that stuff became the forefront of my kind of daily mission in more so than, hey, he taught me how to run a curl route really well. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, how much has that shaped who you are as a husband and a, and a father as well? Oh, massive. I mean, it's shaped everything. You know, I, I try, um, you know, I come from a broken family and, and, and not an outstanding, you know, experience in that regard. And so, it, you know, it's the it's the main focus of my life, you know, and I'm somebody who is, again, just naturally wired, like hard work is super important to me and having goals is super, super important to me and being tough is super important to me. And so all of those things are like naturally what I want to kind of transfer over to my kids and instill into my children and without you know, my walk with God and my faith, those would be the only things that are, my kids would get from me. And I would look back 30 years from now and regret that. Because mm-hmm. what I really want because of my faith is my kids to see how important their relationship with God is and how impactful it is, how real it is, right. how much they are actually loved. Um, and do they actually feel that? Like, I've said this to Jason, uh, I want my kids to learn all those things about hard work and commitment and sacrifice and being tough and mentally and physically. I want my kids to have that, but I don't want that to be the most important thing to them. Right. And I want them to be able to, 30 years from now to look back and if I ask them, what was the number one thing that I taught you as your father? You know, I want them to say, love God love others and that you loved us and that would have never been the case 10 years ago yeah that's awesome can you can you share the story i guess you mentioned how you got how you got saved I and mean, what what was the what led up to that and i guess can you share yeah. the story of, of what that all happened it's a funny story um I, you know I, I was on the my journey and some bible studies and discipleships and all those things and it, it was saturday night before a game and my this is this is my uh, second year in the NFL. Saturday night before a game, and uh, we're at I'm at chapel, and I've been on this journey for about a year or so, maybe a little bit longer. I've been on this journey. We're at chapel. We're playing the Packers the next day, and we're in chapel, and all of a sudden our team chaplain Dave Wilson's like, you know what, guys, I don't normally do this, but 
know, God's just put something on my heart. He's like, I'm going to stop right now. And if there's anybody in this room that, you know, you know, wants to give their life to Christ, I just want to take the time to kind of walk you guys through this, walk them through this. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there like, wait, is he talking to me? Like, wow. you know, I'm in a room with 30 people. I'm like, I feel like he's talking to me right now. And so uh, Dave's going through this, and I'm like, I'm looking around like, is anybody else bugging out right now? Because I've got this like absolute something inside of my chest that's going to burst out. And I just felt this nudge like, this is your time. And um, I remember getting down on my knees and praying the prayer with Dave. And all of a sudden, it was just like, whoa. And I, um, I, I didn't say anything to anybody. And I got done with chapel. I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and um, I'm just hanging out with everyone. And then I'm running around on the field pregame and Kitna comes up, comes up and he's like, what's wrong with you, dude? And I don't, I, I'm just like, what's up? And he's like, did you save last night? I'm like, yes. I was like, how did you know? He's like, I don't know. You just, you look differently. You look different. Your mannerisms are different. You feel different. I was like, yeah. And I told him. And he lost it. We lost it together because obviously we were on it. He was he was so impactful on the journey with me. Right. Um, and so that's that's how, how how it went. That's awesome. And I, mean, I can only imagine you know the trajectory of an NFL career and the highs and lows that you experienced playing a very difficult sport. You know, whenever you went, I guess even whenever you experienced success, but also in the times of the rest of your career, whenever you hit a low point, how much did that faith? help you get through those points it was enormous you know i mean i think you know just being honest part of it is is you know there's a mental toughness to me that you get hardened and conditioned through sports your life and whatnot um and and i think that the change was and it's not getting through it that the, my faith helped it was how my faith allowed me to see it as an opportunity mm-hmm. um and so, like, naturally, because of all those years of sports, I would have just been able to get through the difficult times. And what faith did was allow me to use those difficult times for growth and those difficult times for impact and those difficult times for kind of um, allowing the actions to match the words and allowing others to see it and, you know, kind of shaping many things for me as a husband and a dad. And so uh, I think that's the biggest impact during those, or, or the biggest difference between those difficult times is um, when I, when with my faith, it's allowed me to use them rather than just get through them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it's, I mean, I, I just, like I said earlier, I can't imagine how hard it is to play a sport like football, let alone at a high level in the NFL. And there's just so much that, you know, we don't see as we're watching on Sundays that goes into each week of preparation and behind the scenes, even on sidelines. Like there's just so much that the average fan doesn't, doesn't get to see. And I think that's why it's so great that somebody like you is now on ESPN as an analyst, because you get to shed light a lot of times on like, this is what it's like to be in a huddle. This is what it's like to be in a locker room. I mean, how much do you enjoy this part of your career now where you're kind of on the other side of playing, you're still involved with football, but you can still get to share your knowledge of the game on TV. Oh, I, I have a ton of fun. I have as much fun doing this as I did as a player. Um, you know, I think what has happened over the last year and a half or two years of being in this is, uh, you know, I've realized I'm much better at explaining what to do than actually doing it. Yeah. Um, 
And that was something that was hard for me to get over, to be honest with you. Like, I'd sit there and I'd be like, Dan, how can I know this stuff so well? And I wasn't, I, you know, because it's a caveat, because the truth was, for 12 years, I was one of the best 60 people on the planet, right? Right. So that's obviously really good. But there's also that part of me that goes, wait, how can I see all this and know all this and explain all this? But I couldn't do it as well as I wanted to. And it's, you know, a little bit of a humbling experience to go through. Um, But I have a ton of fun doing it. Uh, I absolutely love it. It's something that I look forward to doing every single day. And so uh, for me, it's an absolute blast. Yeah, I mean, you're. I got. I, I never played football, and like I'm a. I'm a tennis coach, so that's funny that you mentioned that because I often feel like I'm a much better coach than I ever was as a player, and it's funny that you see things from the other side of it that like why couldn't I notice that when I was playing? But it's always fascinating because, like I said, I don't really know a ton about the ins and outs of football, but you do a really good job of breaking down plays with video where you'll say like like for instance the one that sticks out is i remember you were showing the fullback for the 49ers i forget how you, i don't know how you say his last name usage or something usage use check yeah. so you were showing basically like why he was so valuable to their offense and it was because of how he was blocking for the running backs and it's like that's just stuff that the average fan doesn't really notice and you know, we see a play happen, we see a guy score a touchdown, and then we look at our fantasy scores, and that's kind of the extent of what a lot of fans do. But it is interesting to see, like, man, there's so many things that go. I mean, there's like, what is it, 11 people on the field on each side of the each side of the ball. So there's all all kinds of things going on on a play. And like, I don't, first of all, I don't know how quarterbacks do it, where y'all can dissect a coverage and a, and a linebacker blitz coming in. I just, I don't know how your mind processes that fast. So it's just fascinating, I think, as a fan to watch you and other people break down the game like that. I mean, how much do you enjoy like diving into that deep kind of stuff, where you're looking at like blocks and coverages and just kind of the finer points of football and explaining it? Yeah, I mean, I I love it. Uh, It's kind of what I've always done. You know, the truth is, I tell people when I was 15 years old, I was about six foot five, maybe 16 years old. I was at six six foot five, 180 pounds, and I ran a six two forty. And so, like, it became very clear to me, like, okay, if you're gonna do football, you've got to figure out ways to be really good at it, other than the physical. And so, I was a big film watcher as a kid and film studier as a kid. And going to college, I played at UConn. And we played schools that were much better than us and much more talented than us. And so for us to compete and win games, we had to find ways to um, take advantage of teams, to get tells on teams, to know what teams were doing from studying tape before they did it. Mm -hmm. And so that was part of my kind of growth and journey into the game. So I've been doing this for 20 plus years and looking at it through that lens and scope for that long. And then that's obviously what I did as a pro. And to be honest with you, people I think people think that I sit down and watch games and or tape looking for something specific. I really don't. I just watch. Yeah, and then you just and probably what notice. My eyes, yeah. What my eyes tell me, they tell me. You know, and I just I've always thought my brain was a little bit differently and my, my different and my eyes were a little bit different. Um, and I just kind of trust that stuff. And if my eyes see something it sees something and it sees something for a reason. And uh, I think I've got those things trained to be kind of, uh, you know, they, they, to be different in that regards. And so I just follow along with that and it kind of has led me down this path. And then, uh, I mean, I guess you've probably been following this too, but 
all, you know, with the coronavirus being what it is, I mean, what is your take on how, uh, you know, the, the pro sports organizations are handling this? And obviously we've got the NFL draft coming up in April. Um, I mean, have you heard anything about changes to the NFL draft at all? Or, I mean, I guess, what is your take on how these leagues are handling this and maybe what are your thoughts on what should be done going forward? Yeah. I th- be too soon. Don't be too late. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what the NBA has done. I think that a lot of leagues will follow suit. Um, this doesn't make anybody soft. It doesn't make anybody scared. Not, most of us did not go to school and major in medicine and major in, you know, the things that are most important with understanding and studying this. So we have to listen to the people who did. And it doesn't necessarily matter what I think or what anyone else thinks. I need to trust the people that are making decisions, trust and hope that they're making the best decisions for people rather than a league or a bottom line or sport. Um, It's obviously wild and scary and intense, but we've got to trust the people that get paid for this to be their job and have studied this their whole life and you know, have faith that, uh, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for us as humans to not point fingers, to band together, to help each other out, to build each other up and get through this and learn from it and, you know, come out on the backside of it better. Yeah. And uh, I know we've got to let you go. You got uh, a sick wife and we want to get you able to, to go take care of her. So we're going to cut this off a little early, but I always like to ask uh, my guests when they're on here, uh, the, the show is called In No Hurry. And that kind of was birthed out of the idea of, you know, when our, when our lives are crazy and we're super busy, you know, we, we need to just kind of slow down and not be in such a hurry all the time. And that's kind of what God calls us to do. You know, God also rested and we need to rest and that kind of thing. So I always like to ask my guess, you know, whenever your life is crazy or even whenever it's not crazy, I mean, what do you like to do for fun and to relax, whether that's by yourself or with your family? Oh, yeah. I mean, my wife, my life is crazy, um, as everybody's is. We have four children and, and all the things that go with that. Um, you know, I, my Dave Chaplin or Dave Wilson, our team chaplain in Detroit, once said to me, if you want to know how committed a man is to his faith, look his faith look at his calendar and look at his checkbook mm-hmm. um so i you know if i'm not working i'm spending time with my family and uh my kids are getting at an age where you know getting into their interests is important to me and so you know for relaxing time i've got a kid who loves to play mario on nintendo switch loves it um so i go kick it with him and and we talk about mario and we play mario i got a kid who loves to bake and cook so sometimes just to relax, I sit there and cook with him. And he does most of it, but I do it with him. And then I got a kid who loves sports. So we'll go out there and play sports. I've got a daughter who loves to play with dolls, but also loves to be full speed ahead. So just hanging out and reading Prince's stuff with her is part of my relaxation. And then with my wife, it's, you know, my wife and I love to sit down and just watch television together. We watch shows together. Um, do I like all the shows? No. Um, <laughs> but it's part of our relaxation process, especially at the end of the day. And then personally, the only thing that I do that helps that, that I do to relax that's outside of family time is I love to golf. Okay. Well, that's uh, I, I haven't quite gotten into golf yet. I mean, I'm a big tennis player and that's kind of my big thing. 
But my dad, my dad plays all the time, and every time I go play with him, which is like twice a year, he's like, "If you played more, you would actually be kind of good." And I'm like, "I know. I just, I've already committed so far into one sport. I just don't know that I can start here at age 30. And I guess I could start to play yeah, golf, but I love it. yeah, yeah. It, it's relaxing. I love going out and playing, but I just uh, sometimes I don't have the patience for it because I, I want to be better at it than I am, and I don't have the patience to. Like I, I devoted years and years to crafting my skill at tennis, and I'm like, man, if I want to get good at golf and do it the right way, I'd have to play all the time. So, I admire people that are that are good at golf and have the patience for it. And I like it just because I like being outside and being on the course and everything. But I'm just, uh, I'm not as good as I'd like to be, and that, that's frustrating. <laughs> right. Well, Dan, thank you for for taking the time to to join the show. I know that you have got a busy schedule. Um, I'm sure we'll see you uh, on ESPN pretty soon after this um but you know best of luck I, I don't know how much preparation you get to do for the nfl draft or what you do with it but i know i'm sure you'll be on tv talking about these prospects and and breaking it down as well so looking forward to hearing that i'm a bears fan so i'm hoping the bears will uh will draft smart this year they got rid of a couple guys that i was a fan of but you know i'm hoping that they can build a team and, and finally win with mitch trubisky so we'll, we'll see what they do in the draft this year as well but uh but thank you for joining the show, Dan, and uh, and we'll, we'll catch up soon. Thanks so much, man. Well, with our normal sports on hold for the foreseeable future, I hope that conversation was somewhat of a consolation and filled your sports void that you might have been feeling after the last few weeks. But I really do appreciate Dan coming on. I love watching him on ESPN and seeing his tweets because I just don't understand football the way that people that played it do and as a casual fan I'm always interested to see the inner workings of a play and how things transpire on the field and how different positions play together to make something happen and he does a really good job of explaining that and showing that so make sure that you give him a follow on Twitter Instagram I will put those links in the show notes make sure that you give him a follow and let him know that you enjoyed hearing him this week on this show And thank you guys so much for tuning in. I know that there's a lot of ways that you can fill your time as we are finding more time in our day than normal. And I appreciate if you are taking time to listen to this podcast. Please make sure that you check out Emily's page and her Instagram as well because we really do want to help out these healthcare workers because this is just a tough time for everybody, but they are exposed to this virus more than anybody. And so whatever little bit we can do, and it may not be that much tangibly in the long run but just the fact that we let them know hey we're thinking about you and we want to help i think means more than we'll realize so head to her social media and her beauty counter page to learn more about purchasing this handset that we can donate to our healthcare workers but thank you guys so much for tuning in i hope you guys have a great week i hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry and we'll see you next week